Good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. So glad that you're here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, as Katie said, we know each and every week it's someone's first time. If this is your first time and uh, I have not had a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, we are kicking off a new series called Thankful. And uh, as we kind of come into this holiday season, uh, it's, it's on us already. You're preparing. You've been thinking about Thursday. You've been getting dialed in, ready to go. I know I have. You know, I'm thinking about all the things that I'm going to eat and uh, how I'm going to kind of spread it out over the next few days, right? And then I got to think about my game plan to get all of that off because I know I'm going to add easy five to ten pounds in a short time frame, uh, which is a feature of itself. But, but with all that comes the joy of this season, but also comes the frustration, the challenges, the difficulty at times that this season can bring. And, and so as we navigate this season, we can learn, though, to still live a life-giving life. We, we can be life-giving in the people around us. We can navigate these relationships, and we can experience peace in a way that otherwise we wouldn't. In fact, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to discover peace in a place that perhaps you didn't even realize you could find peace. And so when we look at this season and you look at all these things, where do we find strength and, and health and peace for your soul in the middle of all these things when it doesn't seem to line up? How, how does it look to discover peace in a place that you didn't expect? I want you to open up your Bibles, Acts chapter 16. We're going to get there in just a minute. But when I think about What's coming on Thursday, and I think about Thanksgiving, we all have your favorite, right? You have your thing that you love. You've been thinking about it. You, you've been dialing into it, right? And you're excited about what you're going to partake in, right? And what you're going to eat. And, and, you know, you think about it, it's kind of like, for me, you know, you think about people talk about your beach body. So like, you know, March, April, you kind of lean out, you go on a diet or whatever, get ready for the beach. Well, I, I kind of do in reverse. Like when, when it comes like September, October, I kind of lean out a little bit because I think about all the food I'm going to eat come the holidays. So I got to prepare, you know, it's kind of reverse. I don't know, but I'm dialing into those things. And maybe, maybe there's some things that, that you really like. Maybe perhaps one of your favorite things about Thanksgiving is maybe the turkey. You like the turkey. I know we got some ham people in here. You know, we've got some, some Cajuns in the house. You don't fry a turkey. Our executive pastor, Pastor JP and his family are here. They're from Louisiana. They like to fry a turkey. You should smoke a turkey. You should, you know, I'm from Texas. You smoke a turkey. Maybe oven baked, but, you know, but they're like, fry. no, no, no. You, you smoke the turkey. Well, maybe turkey's not your thing. Maybe, how about stuffing? Stuffing, you like stuffing? My mom, I don't know what she puts in it. It may not be legal what she puts in it, but since I was a kid, I love her stuffing. You know, maybe you like stuffing. Or, or, or maybe it's the mashed potatoes. Just creamy and whipped and just buttery, you know, and like just like five sticks of butter up in there. That's not gonna kill anybody. I mean, why not? You know, I personally like sweet potatoes, but that's probably because I like it more like a dessert. You know what I'm talking about? It's like brown sugar and, and all up in there, and then it's got like five layers of marshmallows on top. It's just bad. It's bad. It's just like, give me all that, you know, and, or, or how about dessert? Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie, I mean, now I like pumpkin pie, but really I prefer pecan pie, okay? Uh, I like pecan pie, but I'll be honest, I'm like an equal opportunity sweets person. If it's sweet, just give it to me, I'm going to eat it, I'm going to eat all of it, I'm going to eat more than I should, and, but I love it. But there's one thing, you know, maybe you're into this, this next thing, 
Maybe this is your thing. How about cranberry sauce? Anybody into cranberry? Yes, we got some cranberry sauce. Now, apparently, like, you know, you, like, zest it with orange peel or something. It's like a thing. And I'll be honest, I never got into cranberry sauce. I don't know. You know, some of y'all, you're, you're really into it. But I'll be honest, in all fairness to the cranberry sauce, I think I, I'm not into cranberry sauce because I think I was maybe scarred when I was younger. Because my cranberry sauce growing up on my table didn't look like this. It looked more like this. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like got all the lines in it, and it's like, we're looking like dog food. I'm like, what? but we think, we're going to slice it up, make it feel fancy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? I, I just couldn't get past that. I'm like, I, I can't, like, that's not natural. That's just terrible right there. I mean, what, what is that? No, no cranberry. So I, I'm, in all fairness to all the cranberry sauce lovers out there and to cranberries themselves, okay? I'm sorry. I was scarred. I'm not going to do it. Not gonna eat it. Not gonna eat the cranberry sauce. All right, just not gonna. You can you can put you can put orange zest on it. I don't care. Got orange peel. Whatever. I ain't gonna eat it. It just nah. Now you think about Thanksgiving. We all have our favorites. We all have our our thing that we're looking for. We all have the the particular dish that we ascribe value to. And and the truth is, for all of us, it's so different. It can be different in all the things that we love and all the things that are our favorites and and all of those things. But if we're not careful. We forget why we actually set aside the time for Thanksgiving. The thing that we're actually there for, the main reason for Thanksgiving is to pause and take time to be thankful. And so sometimes we forget that. We, we fail to realize. And so we start our day out. We start our year out. We start the season out with gratitude and, and thankfulness. But it's amazing how quickly we begin to feel stress and anxiety and fear, and frustration. So how do we work through it? How, how do we discover peace in the middle of all that? Because at the end of the day, that's actually what we're looking for. Peace. I, I want peace in the middle of that. And the older I get, I find that I really, I'm trying to like slow things down. Like I want to take it all in. And the kids help me with that. Wendy helps me with that. But it's amazing how even though I want to take it all in, I want to slow down. It seems to keep trying to get faster and faster. But I believe that we can grow in how we live a thankful life. If you're new to Milestone, the word for the year is grow. We set out all year long on an intentional path to go, we want to intentionally help you grow. And I'm so proud of you because for you as a church, I've seen you take next steps and grow. Growing in, in taking your next steps with, with growth track. Or for some of you taking your next steps and, and getting baptized. Some of you being a part of or leading small groups. We were meeting with a couple this past week that they stepped out in faith. They were real nervous about leading a small group. They're like the, the small group like poster child. You know, it's like they just did. And I mean, they've been amazing. And, and what it was is they stepped out in faith. They took their next step. They were growing. And so we want you to grow in multiple areas of your life. And my heart for you is that you grow in being thankful as well. well what does that look like? Well, well, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances. Some of you are walking through some things you're not thankful for. It's challenging, it's hard, it's difficult, it's painful, you've experienced loss, it's not easy. So Paul's not saying be thankful for them, but he's saying you can be thankful in them. We can grow in our gratitude and living a thankful life in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
You see, thankfulness doesn't come from the outside. It comes from within. And I can be thankful in all things. Now, what I want to talk to you about today, though, is, is I want to kind of tie two things together. I want to connect something to thankfulness that perhaps you haven't thought about before. You see, thankfulness, when I live a thankful life, it translates to a more worshipful life. You see, worship helps us in this way. When I live a more thankful life, it's because I'm probably living a more worshipful life. In fact, those who are most thankful are those who understand the power of worship. And the truth is, thankfulness and worship, they go hand in hand. Look at what the writer of Psalms 100 says. Psalms 100, verses 4 through 5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. You see, the peace that we're looking for, you're going to discover when you live a more thankful and worshipful life. Why? Because when you have a heart of worship, you don't struggle as much to be thankful. You don't struggle. When I have a heart for worship and I understand what that means and what that looks like, I don't struggle. Now, what Paul was saying, we're going to look at the words of Paul. And what I love about Paul is this, is that, that Paul, the one who wrote 1 Thessalonians 5, who said, be thankful in all circumstances. He's saying we can live a thankful and worshipful life. He didn't just encourage us to do that. He actually modeled it for us. As we look in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to give you a little context. He, he's in a region called Macedonia. It's a, it's a Roman colony. And he's there, and, and he's, he's uh, sharing, and he's ministering to people. And he actually comes across him uh, and Silas come across this young lady, and they set her free. Well, the people that, that were kind of over her were not happy with that, and they began to falsely accuse. They began to gang up. There was like a mob that ganged up. Have you ever felt ganged up on? You see, that's why this is so important that you learn this now, because for some of you, you're not really looking forward to Thanksgiving because you're about to go into Thanksgiving and you feel like you're going to be ganged up on because perhaps you're the only Christian in your family. Perhaps you're the only one that is living by the set of values that you're living by based on God's word, and so it becomes challenging and difficult. So you feel ganged up on. You feel surrounded. Well, Paul and Silas understood that. That's what they're experiencing. They're wrongly accused and they're thrown into prison. They're in a dark difficult situation. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been in prison. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't know if you've ever visited a prison. I've visited a few prisons before. They're not filled with a lot of life and a lot of hope. And so here's Paul and Silas wrongly accused, thrown into prison, and watch what happens in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. You see, in the middle of a difficult moment, worship was their response. In the middle of a challenging situation, worship... At midnight, middle of the night, dark, cold, lonely, what was their response? They began to worship. And it says what? It says not only did they worship, the earth began to shake. Okay? They didn't have Katie up there just sing, belting that up. 
your mercy. Of, I, didn't, I mean, there wasn't that moment. They didn't have Spotify, iTunes. They didn't have their playlist. What did they do? Worship, thankfulness. Where did it come from? From within. In the middle of a challenging moment, they begin to worship and sing aloud. And what happens is it began to open up the doors and break down the walls that, that were holding them back. You see, they're sitting here in this moment, and they could easily be saying, this is terrible. I, I, how, there's no hope here. But they didn't. In that moment, the response was worship. Now, now I want to tell you the rest of the story. And for time's sake, I'm just going to give you highlights But here's the powerful thing about what happened. Is when those doors were opened, the jailer comes in, he sees the doors open. It actually says that he contemplated taking his life because of what would happen to him. Because he thought he let all the prisoners go. Paul and Silas say, whoa, hold on, we're here, we're still here. It says this jailer ran to them, knelt down in front of them and said, what must I do to be saved? In the middle of their worship, someone recognized that there is a God bigger than that circumstance and situation. And he said, what must I do to be saved? This jailer then in turn took Paul and Silas to his home, fed him dinner. That man and his entire family were saved and baptized. On the other end of worship. Why? Because when you worship, what begins to happen is it impacts your life and other people's lives. Why? Because when I worship, I deepen a greater level of thankfulness and peace that impacts my life as well as those around me. Remember, those that are most thankful are those who understand the power of worship. But why is this so important? Well, what is worship and what are we going to look at? Well, I want to help you understand what worship is. You got to recognize that we're created to worship. That's why this is so important. You're created to worship. You were designed by God to worship. You're like, well, I mean, I'm not really like worship. That's not my thing. Like, what do you mean by worship? Is that like raise my hands? Uh, you know, is it like do I got to like go all the way up like I'm asking a question? Can I stay right here? Do I hold the TV? You know, do I do a one hand across the chest move? What do I do? Do I clap? Do I shout? Do I yell? What? It? Yes, 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 all of it. But that's only one part of worship because you can live a life that is worshipful. You were designed this way. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, when you first understand what worship is, we now have a starting place. You now have a point to build and grow from. You see, we're all created to worship. And Paul knew this. Paul knew this because not long after this moment in Acts 16 where he's set free from the jail, he's now teaching and he's in this, uh, this place. It's almost like a, a rock kind of amphitheater type of place where people would come and listen and, and be taught. And, and watch what he begins to tell the people about worship. Acts 17, verse 22 says, Then Paul stood up at the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I say that in every way you're very religious. What's he saying? Religious. You, you, you have all the acts. You have all the, the things that you should be doing to try to get to God. That's the difference between religion and Jesus. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. 
relationship, God came to us by sending his son, Jesus. That we don't have to work to try and get to God. We can have a relationship with God through what Jesus did on the cross by having a relationship with him. It's finished. And so he's saying, you do all the right things. You have all the right, perhaps, religious activity, but that's not the target. He says, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God, so that you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. See, here's what we recognize here. He said, you, you have the objects of worship there. What, what's he saying? What do we take from this? That worship wasn't the problem. He, he was saying, you all know how to worship. You're worshiping. You, you are worshiping. But the objects, the thing that you're putting your worship on is what's off. The, the thing that you're putting your attention to is what's off. You're, you're missing the mark. In fact, to the point where you have an uh, a, 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 a unknown God that you're worshiping. You see, the word worship comes from the old English word, which means worth-ship. It originates in the word worth. Here, here's what that word means. It means to ascribe worth or value to someone or something. Well, again, you might say, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, okay, we're talking about worship. I mean, clapping, raising my hands. That's really not my thing or my personality. Yeah, it is. Because at 315 today, when the Cowboys are playing the Chiefs and they win, sorry, Jeff, don't change it on me now. Jeff, my, my, the guy running, she's pointing at his wife, Courtney's pointing at me. Chiefs fans, you're going to be clapping. You're going to be shouting whether you're excited or disappointed. You're going to be ascribing value to something. Because we all know how. It's like fans this, this week, Thursday. There are going to be fans cheering and shouting. I mean, look right here. Wait a minute. That looks like Chiefs fans. That should be blue and silver. What are we doing here? That, that's not what it's going to look like today. Cowboys, they're going to win. We, we shout. We cheer. What are you ascribing value to? What are you worshiping? Let, let, let me go with you to a football game. I'll tell you what you're ascribing value to. Let me go with you to a sporting event. Let me go with you to a concert. Let me go to the thing that you're really passionate about. The problem is not we don't know how to worship. We do. The problem is what is the object of our worship? And that's what we have to begin to recognize. Well, what's the thing you're into? Maybe you're like, well, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. I'm not all into all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, for me, I've shared with you before, I like to hike. I like camping, cabins. Maybe you ascribe value to that. Maybe it's like, man, I can't think about, man, I'm thinking about this, or I would love to go there. And I, would, I mean, I have different places where I've mapped out, like, Wendy and I, hey, we're going to go stay at this cabin or that cabin, different places, Airbnbs out in the middle. Like, I ascribe value to those things. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong in and of themselves to be excited and be a fan, a sports fan, or enjoy uh, music or any of those things. Nothing wrong with camping or backpacking or hiking. But as Christians, we should be ascribing value to Jesus higher than all of those other things. You see, the issue is not we don't know how to worship. The issue and the question we have to answer is what is the object of my worship? So what is worship? Worship is our heart's response to who God is and what he has done. It's an expression of gratitude and thankfulness for who God is. 
It's what I'm setting my affection, my value, my attention on. You recognize how he's worked. I was reminded of this and and, and seeing how God worked and moved in my life. And there have been many times throughout my life, but I can remember one of the most significant ones of experiencing peace in a place and in a way I did not expect. I just shared with you, I I like to hike and, and things like that. And a few years ago, we went on a backpacking trip. Myself and two of our pastors from our Keller campus. This is Pastor Pat, and then this is Pastor Tyron. Pastor Tyron and I have been friends for close to 18 years now. We've had a lot of life experiences together, ministry, things like this. And so we decided we were going to do, we had done some backpacking and stuff like that. And and Tyron had done a little bit more more recently than I had. So we decided we were going to do this thing called the Wonderland Trail. It's almost just under 100 miles around Mount Rainier. Now, it was fun, and it was adventurous, and we're backpacking in the backcountry. We're out there. The goal was we're going to be about six days out there. And, I mean, there's, I mean, beautiful, just beautiful country. And there were some amazing moments and adventurous moments, but can I tell you, there were some terrible moments. Like the day we decided it would be a good idea to hike 21 miles and hike for 18 hours. To gain, lo- gain 8,000 foot of elevation and lose about 4,000. So you're going up and then down and up and then down. I mean, we were just like, what are we doing? And so it, it, was, it was exciting and it was amazing, but there were challenging moments as well. But the most challenging moment came at the end of day five. It's just the day before our last day of the hike. It's about 8 o'clock and the sun's going down and we're ascending up a mountain. We're about a a mile down from uh, the the top of this mountain and where camp is at that night. And so we're working pretty hard. We're huffing it. We're moving really quick. Pastor Pat happens to be in front of Tyron and I and we hear a yell. And we come around the corner and when we came around the corner, we saw Pastor Pat sitting in the trail. And Pat had broken his leg. We are about 15 miles in the backcountry. There's no cell service, okay? The nearest road is about three and a half miles, which we didn't know that at the time. We're simply on the trail. We're just under 5,000 foot elevation. The sun is about to go down. We have a device called a Garmin inReach, and so essentially that allows us to communicate. We could communicate with our wives, and they could see where we were at on the trail, but it had an SOS, so we set the SOS beacon off. They're able to triangulate where we are, and they start communicating with us. Well, things got real serious because what began to happen was he was essentially kind of over here where these people are standing. It's an overgrown trail. And he had slipped and fallen, snapped his, uh, his leg right above his ankle. Tyron is like, what are we going to do? I was like, hit the SOS. We pick him up. And this is basically a boulder field over here. We pick him up, carry him to this boulder field. We put his foot up on a rock. We take his broken trekking pole that he snapped in two. We make a splint out of it and duct tape it in place. Uh, a few hours later, he's in a lot of pain because his foot can't hold itself up, so it starts drooping. I mean, I know. It's, it is it bad. <laughs> And so we had to take paracord and a carabiner, which is what this is right here, to kind of counterbalance it so it stopped flopping over because it kept causing him pain. So we're out there, and the, the, the SOS, the, the park rangers are asking, you know, is it life-threatening? How's he doing? All these things, and, and they, they deemed and determined it wasn't life-threatening. They said, we'll be out there first thing in the morning. Well, first thing in the morning turned out to be 11 a.m. So we're on the side of this mountain in the backcountry for 15 hours. All we had for poor Pastor Pat, we had one round of Advil and two rounds of Tylenol, okay? 
But we did have a little stash of Sour Patch Kids and some chocolate. So that kind of got him through. But can I tell you, in that moment, we're sitting here on this rock field. And you can look down, and honestly, it was a miracle. It was the Lord that he didn't fall. He could have fallen down the downslope of the trail. And it would have been a much different story. He didn't. He fell right there on the trail. And so we pull him over, and after a while, all the adrenaline and getting him situated, the sun goes down, it's cold, it's probably about low 40s, the wind is whipping up this canyon right here, and we have our sleeping bags opened up, and we're just kind of covered up, we're next to him, trying to keep him warm with our body weight, Tyron and I are like trying to keep from sliding down the mountain, I mean, it was a deal, it was really, it was serious. Once all the adrenaline settled and it sets in, like what had transpired and how serious it could have been, you know, you start thinking like, man, this is... God, are we, like, is he going to be okay? Are we going to get out of here? Is this going to be all right? When are they going to get here? What if he goes into shot? What is, and can I tell you in that moment, we, we experienced the peace like never before. Because as we're there and we're cold and there's nothing but stars, we're way out in the back country. Tyron takes out his phone and starts playing worship music. And we just started worshiping on the side of that mountain. And we felt God's presence like never before in a peace that came over not only us, but really Pat in that moment. A peace that only comes from Jesus and a peace that we access because we worshiped. Now, you may be saying, well, okay, Pastor Chris, what's the point? I mean, I, I don't plan on going in the back country. That ain't ever going to happen to me. Well, you may not be stranded on a mountain in the back country, but you may be in an emotional and mental prison right now because of what you're walking through. You may say, are, are, are you wanting me, Pastor Chris, when you're talking about worship and, and thankfulness? Are you just wanting, wanting to me to be more expressive in worship? Is that what you're getting at? No. This is not about being more expressive. It's about being more engaged. Because a life of worship is about being engaged. But I promise you, you start engaging with Jesus and you start worshiping him, it will spill over into expression. Are you saying, Pastor Chris, this is about me being more engaged or expressive at church? No. It's about you being engaged and more expressive and, and connecting with God on a more consistent basis because you can live a life of worship. It doesn't happen when you walk in these doors and the band comes up and Katie starts singing and now we're having worship. You can have worship every single day and live a life of worship, thus resulting in living a more thankful life. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, remember what the psalmist said in Psalms 100. Come into his courts with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. We can live this way every single day. Okay, well, how does worshiping and living a life of worship impact my everyday? Well, here's what it looks like. The first thing that happens when I live a life of worship, it impacts my everyday because worship gives me perspective. You see, when I worship, my perspective changes because when I worship, I'm starting with Jesus. The Bible says he is the beginning of all things, and we have to begin with him. Colossians 1, 16 through 18 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and him, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn, from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. When you read the works of Paul and you read the letters that he wrote, this was a constant theme. Start with Jesus. He's the beginning. He, Ephesians 2.20, he is the chief cornerstone. 
See, here's the thing about a cornerstone. When you're building anything, you start with the cornerstone and everything else builds off of that. The power of a cornerstone is this. It's what you start with. So my question to you is, when you start your day, are you starting with Jesus? You see, when I worship, it allows me to realign and go, no, no, no. I'm not starting with anxiety. I'm not starting with fear. I'm not starting with worry or circumstance or situation. I'm not starting in my own strength or my own ability or my own experience. I'm starting with Jesus. When I worship, it shifts my perspective. In fact, Paul reiterates this and shows this in Acts 17. When, later on in that chapter, the chapter where he's talking about you're worshiping an unknown God. I, I've seen the objects of your worship. Here's what he says towards the end of that chapter, Acts 17, verse 27. It says, God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. You see, when I know he is with me and for me, my perspective changes. Because when I worship, I'm not reminding God of who he is. I'm reminding myself, my heart, my soul, who he is. I'm reminding myself of how good he's been. I'm reminding myself that he's bigger than my circumstance and situation. So when I worship, I start with Jesus. It shifts my perspective when I worship, and I begin to focus on him. Here's the second thing. Worship helps us access power. Access power. I don't know about you, but when I think about the things that I'm responsible for, that I need to take care of, I'm not just talking about the holiday season. Because this principle of living a more thankful and worshipful life transcends Thanksgiving and Christmas. This is a way that Jesus has called us, God has called us to live our life. Because we were created to worship. When I think about those things, there's a lot of stress or weight or pressure that comes along with that. And I need someone bigger than myself to help me. Where does that power and that help come from? It comes from Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit that helps me and guides me. The Bible says the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So it helps me. Why? Because worship is a weapon. It's a weapon. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power. Divine power to demolish strongholds. You see, this is what Paul and Silas experienced in the prison when they worshipped. They experienced the power of the weapon of worship. They weren't doing it. They weren't sitting there yanking and, and banging on the bars. They simply at midnight began to worship. And what happened? That divine power is what brought them freedom. You see, we have access to that. We have the ability to engage in that way. But I know what some of you are thinking. Well, when I worship like that or when I sing or when I clap my hand, I feel like it's fake. I feel like I'm just kind of doing what everyone else is doing. Like, it's just not me. It's not my person. I don't know, man. Like. It's not about just simply those external things. So, so I get it. Some of you, you're, you're a pragmatist. You're, you're kind of like, well, I mean, I don't see. How does that actually work? Well, let, let me ask you this. How many of you got like your go-to song? You know what I'm talking about? You, you run, you're, you're running, and you just feel sluggish. You got that go-to song. I mean, they even have it in like running apps. It's like your go-to song. Like that's just going to get you through. Just kind of awesome pepping you. How many of you like working out in the gym? Right? 
You, you got that go-to song, you're like, I got to get that lift. You're like, boom, play that song. All of a sudden, it's like you feel like you just lift a house. It's like, man, I'm powerful. You played sports. You got your walkout song, right? You're a baseball player. You know, wild thing. Or whatever it was. You got your song. You, you get hyped up. You're ready to roll. Why? Here's the thing. We understand the power of music because we see how music impacts us in certain moments of life. I mean, think about it, if you like country music. I'm sorry if you do, but it's like your, your boots got lost, your dog's dead, your truck is broken. I mean, what? it's like you just, if you won't feel bad, just leave, I'm just kidding. And don't get mad at me or anything about country music, okay? We understand and we recognize the power of music in moments of life, but you do not connect it to worship and how it impacts your everyday life. Why don't we make the connection? Make no mistake, worship is more than just music, and it certainly is not hype. That's not what we're looking for. That's not the goal of it. What worship is is recognizing there's a spiritual power that we begin to experience when we worship. This is the power that we access. This is how we fight our battles. We worship through. That's what Paul is saying in in Corinthians. He's saying we don't fight the way the world does. We worship our way through. You see, when I begin to declare who God is, and I begin to see him for who he is, rather than seeing him through the lens of my circumstance, I begin to access the power of the weapon of worship. You see, when I worship, I access power. And lastly, worship impacts your everyday life because when you worship, it brings peace. And the truth is, worship may be the most unlikely place you thought you would find peace. But it is. It's where you find it. Why? Because on one end of life, we have being thankful. We know we should be thankful. If, if any context, in any way, your parents or you're teaching your kids manners and be thankful, thank you, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, be thankful. On the other end of life is something that we all want to obtain, peace. We're trying to find it. But can I tell you what connects being thankful and peace? It's worship. Worship connects the two. Why? Because worship is the bridge that connects thankfulness and peace. This is what Paul's talking about in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Thank him for all that he's done. God, thank you that you're good and faithful. Thank you that I can be grateful and thankful in all circumstances. This situation is not good, but you are good, God, and so I thank you. God, I'm not going to worry about what I don't know. I'm going to be grateful for what I do know. So thank you that you are good and faithful. That your word says you work all things out to the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So if it's not good yet, you're not done yet. You're still working and moving even though I don't see it. Because when I do that, what does it say? I experience peace. That surpasses all understanding. Guards my heart. Guards my mind. That's where the battle's at. How many of you got a battle going on in your mind and your heart right now? How many of you got a battle going on in life and you think it's with your spouse or with your family? I, mean, I experienced this this week. I experienced this in the last three days. Situations with family or whatever it may be. Going, God, I'm going to worship my way through. This is challenging. What's going on? It, didn't, I, it just feels off. And I'm just, look, I need a perspective shift. So I'm going to worship. 
I need power that I don't have in and of myself. So I'm going to worship. I need a peace that I can't find in myself. So I'm going to worship. You see, here's the thing. Is when you do that, the enemy will lie to you and cause you to feel like, well, I'm not doing anything. No, you're doing the most important thing. You're surrendering. You see, this is the paradox of it all. And the Bible is filled with paradoxes. Peace in a storm. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Love your enemy. Those are all paradoxes. So the paradox could be, wait a minute, in the middle of a challenging situation, I'm going to worship? Yes. Because when you do and when you're thankful, you will access and experience a peace that otherwise you couldn't. You see, worship doesn't change your situation. But make no mistake, worship changes you and your heart in the middle of your situation. And that's what Jesus is after. It's a transform. It's a transformation from the inside out. Thankfulness, worship, living a worshipful life. It's not outside in. It comes from within. I'm going to end with this, Psalms 34, verse 1 through 4, and then I'm going to pray for you. The writer of Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, all times, all circumstances, all situations, all challenges. I'm going to bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. It's going to keep coming out. When you're tempted to gripe and complain and worry and wonder and nah, 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 nah. You got enough of that. You probably hear enough of that. Just turn the news off. Turn the podcast off. Turn whatever. His praise is going to be continually on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. That fear, frustration, anxiety, worry, wonder, questioning. How do we walk in victory over it? We live a thankful life. And we experience peace, but how do we connect the two? We worship. You see, it's not about removing the circumstance. It's about worshiping your way through the circumstance. And it's about worshiping the one. The the way forward is worshiping through. The way is worship. But not yourself and not your ability. It's when I worship the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we experience a more thankful and worshipful life, thus receiving and experiencing peace that we wouldn't experience anywhere else.